Welcome to the Homer and the Hater podcast, the only podcast coming to you from St. Paul, mm-hmm. vacuum adjacent, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, in an extremely warm environment. About uh, to be extremely warm <laughs> environment. I am I am your host, uh, the Hater. I always forget that. And joining me is uh, the other host, the Homer, Woody. What's up, Woody? Not much, not much. Uh, rough start to the day. Pulled a back muscle, getting out of a chair. So we're, we're at that stage of life now. Yikes. Ah. We never got a breakdown, uh, speaking of uh, rough mornings, on uh, Mousegate. Oh. How did uh, how'd that shake out? You had a, a mouse in your apartment. Mouse in the or house. A house uh, and uh, it was terrorizing you guys for a, a, a couple days at least, right? Yeah. So uh, originally found mouse number one. It's never good when you have to start it out by naming like mouse and then a number after it because you know other numbers are coming. Um, <clears throat> mouse number one was caught by cat. That thing where you're always like every time you see the mouse, it's like different colors, but you're like, oh man, that mouse changed colors. <laughs> different sizes. That's <laughs> exactly what happened. So yeah, we, uh, that was caught by the cat and we released that one outside. Thought mouse gate was over. Next day, mouse number two shows up. Okay. Um, did not catch that one. Ever since, though, Cat has been in the uh, the kitchen from, like, 11.30 at night to, like, 4 in the morning. The witching hours. <laughs> Just hanging out, staring into, like, the like the space between the fridge and the wall. You know how it doesn't, like, perfectly line up against the wall? So yeah. there's a little, like, 4-inch gap. Just so stares you, into that. So you have a, a strong suspicion that the mouse uh, sometimes originates from that gap? Yeah, we've seen it run back into that gap. Okay. Um, allegedly, it was living in the refrigerator. Like, not in the cold part. But in the back... Yeah, they always keep that, like, stupid space in back for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, like, it's, like, layered. Like, the bottom shelf is always, like, a, if there's a ledge or a lip, then there needs to be the every, equivalent space under it. Every refrigerator also comes with a built-in mouse home that they can easily just stow in. Nice little motor that gets real warm and toasty. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, we saw it, like, go in there. Um, might be a mouse number three. Can't confirm or deny that yet. Um, and, you know, it's not... It's uh, still, to this day... An open and ongoing investigation, so uh, no you, further comments. Are you comfortable sitting in the living room with your feet on the floor? Oh yeah, uh, none of the mice have like been courageous enough to like run up to humans yet. Um, that's when that's when you gotta be worried. Yeah, I, I mean, as long as they're not getting brazen on you. I want to say that whatever crevice between land and house they crawled through, I think they either crawled back. Or cat killed them and hid them someplace that we can't get to yet. And so we're just going to get a really weird smell this weekend when the house gets too warm because we forget to flip the AC on. Yep. It's like, ooh, that's not great. And then we show like four dead mice. Like, ah, that's not excellent either. <laughs> um, yeah, no, to be determined, I guess. It's still alive. Nice. Well, uh, <laughs> we're going to we're gonna continue on the, uh, the potpourri train, uh, hit a few topics uh, for this podcast, and then get into some uh, NBA talk. We're in the... Uh, Semifinals, and we got both series knotted up at two-two. The heart of the the semifinals, three-game series. Continue our chat about uh, about those matchups. Uh, should be good. Um, but for starters, we have uh, a little NFL news, um, and I think I think we should spend the next like forty minutes talking about the uh, kneeling issue in the NFL. Probably just really do a deep dive. Because most likely no other sports networks or podcasts are going to cover it at all. Yeah, I don't think so either. And we maybe we'll have even some time to talk about uh, Colin Kaepernick. Maybe Eric Reed. Ooh, that's a, 
That's. I wonder, because he he's the one with the lawsuit, right? Yeah. That could be. That's gonna get like juicy. It's gonna like really. It's probably the way the legal system works is probably gonna get into like the full swings like right as the season starts. Or that'll be like opening. I don't. I don't know how like these kind of cases go, but I would imagine like the opening statements type of deal where like we hit, real heavy hitters comes out like right after week one games and. I don't know why LeBron Landry's head came, like name came to my mind, but like big time <laughs> safety goes down in week one, and it's like, ooh, if you drop this case, Eric, you might get signed by Team X, and he just is like, nope, we're going with it. If if he was still in the league, which I'm not sure, I don't think so. Brandon Brandon Merriweather, oh, is he still? Should I look it up? I don't. I don't think. Who's he, the? I no, think I think I'm, I think I'm safety. thinking of DJ Swearinger now. Okay, I was I thought he was a, a Washington player for a second there. Merriweather played for the Broncos for a little bit. I think he was also for the Redskins. And the Redskins, yeah. yeah. The Redskins have been trying to fill that uh, that headhunter void ever since uh, Sean Taylor yeah. died. Yeah, I mean, they literally go... Sean Taylor. Yeah, gee. They let me yeah, ever since he goes away. He, he passed away, and it was LeBron Landry for like four years. And then they went to... I think Merriweather was right after that. It sounds like so. It sounds like this is now going to be an ejection worthy play, like the like in college, headhunting or kneeling. Uh, <laughs> more more just the the brutal hits. I think I think yeah. like the depending on how you, I I think it's a little different than the rule for college because I think this just depends on like the angle at which you come in at. I don't mind the targeting. I think a lot of people have issues with the targeting penalty calls and like the system that they have to review it in college. I personally, growing up with like '90s football, of just he just seeing John Lynch just try to literally take people's heads off. Um, Remember that hit on Anquan Bolden? <laughs> Do you think he's so he's the rep for the the players group now? Bolden, the NFL PA. Yeah, he's on some board with something. Yeah, does he every time like this comes up? He's like, yeah, we should probably get get rid of this. Like, yeah, maybe. He starts like like rubbing his cheek or something. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I just uh, got some ibuprofen. I had uh, just got a headache all of a sudden. Um, yeah, but no, I, I think uh, I like the targeting process because then you get to see the hit like fifteen times in four that's, minutes. That's true. That's it's pretty in awesome. about seven different speeds of slow motion, and then like three live hits again. Because the replay of a live hit at real-time speed, there's nothing better. Because you know it's coming, and he just gets crunched. And these, like, 21-year-olds are just getting tossed. I like the, uh, my favorite is the decision on the, like, player slash team. Some guys get, like, immediately brought out the field, and then they do the review. And then it's, like, it's like being exonerated from, like, a murder <laughs> trial. They come back, they're like, yeah. 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 All, a bunch of people coming out and just, like, hitting them on the head and stuff. Like, yeah, no, you we had your back. <laughs> it's like, or it's, like, the, uh. The reverse of that, where the guy's sitting waiting, and he's, like, looking at their view, and he's, like, no matter... It could be, like, the world's most brutal hit, and he's, like, oh, no, come on, like that? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> decapitated the guy, and his teammates are, like, patting him on the shoulder, yeah. like, yeah, man, that's a tough call. And then he does get ejected, and then he does the old, uh, like, basically, like, middle finger to yeah. everyone as he's, as he's walking out. Was it the... I think it was, like, the... Was it four or five years ago, the Michigan-Ohio State game, where it was, like, a fight, like, four minutes in? Oh, and yeah. I think an offensive lineman gets kicked out from Michigan, and as he's like leaving to, right before the tunnel, just huge double birds to the fans, and it's like this is the ultimate. But we have um, a couple. So I have one que- one question in the potpourri segment for you, uh, and I'm going to pose this scenario to you. So how many 
punt, do we have one punter in the Hall of Fame? Is it just Ray Guy? I think just Ray yeah. Guy. And then do we have two okay. kickers? Well, no, we'll kick or Ray <coughs> Guy was a punter kicker, right? Yeah, but I think the bigger thing with Ray Guy was he was the first punter, like main, like that was his listed first position. Because I think like I want to say like George Blanda was also a punter kicker. Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's like a couple like quarterback kickers yeah. or like other player kickers. How so many he, how many kickers do we have in the Hall of Fame? Just Morton Anderson. Uh, uh, Venetary will make it. Yes, he will. Um, man, I don't. Know. Jan Stenerud is a Hall of Famer. Okay, sure. I. Lou Groza. I was going to say, the Lou Groza Award. Ray Guy and George Blanda and Morton Anderson are, okay. kicking, are the five kicking specialists in the Hall of Fame. So like two and three, but Blanda's kind of like a not really a... He's, like a, he's a tweener. Yeah. <laughs> um, I propose this because it sounds like the kickoff rules are changing, and now players are going to be starting from a standstill, which only makes sense. It's the only play where like people are... Taking a running start. Like, I don't know why that would, whose idea that was for a rule in the first place, but that's done. Um, I propose we seal the Hall of Fame availability of any kicker or kick returner or punt returner, and we decide can, can any get in the hall? I say yes, and I put in uh, uh, not D'Angelo Hall, Has Dante Hall is my, is I think he goes in as the best kick returner of all time. In terms of like, you don't think kick returners can get in anymore because because the rules have changed. Guys, what you're saying easier for a kick returner. I think if the the first kick returner that goes in has to be from the group pre this rule change, and I think he makes it, and I, I'd be open to uh, Devin Hester. I think Devin Hester has to make it, right? Where where do, where do those two fall on? Where do you think they fall on all time kick return touchdowns? Hester's one. Hall is. He had Hall was a little more. Um, He's more punt return guy, and he was a more. He had a bigger flash. He had that year and a half where he was like, "Oh shit," and we don't have an answer for him. Uh, and that was before, like even like analytics and like football coaches will tell you like, "Oh, we study so much film, do all this stuff." But like, that's all. Like they're really old school, boneheaded, like thick skulled in terms of how to like analyze and do things. So this is pre-even like, hey, let's introduce some analytics and like different things that we need to put into this to make this more efficient. Um, he just had, you just if he caught the ball, it was a touchdown. But I want to say he only scored like six that year, and then maybe four the next year. So Dante Dante Hall is tied for third all time in return touchdowns, okay. kickoff return touchdowns with six. Is it combined though, kickoff and punt? This is just kickoff. just kickoff. Okay. Um, he has six. Josh Cribbs is tied for the all-time lead with eight, mm. with Leon Washington. That's a sneaky. Is that like Jets running back? Leon Washington has eight all-time kick return touchdowns. Wow. And then, uh, let's see, what's the combined one? Punt and kick. That's gonna be. Is that twenty-one for Hester? Hester has fourteen punt return touchdowns. Okay. But he is tied for eighth, and he has five kick returns. So touchdowns. nineteen. That was my other guess. Okay. Um, and I'll look up. Fourteen punt return touchdowns is amazing. Yeah, it's it's weird how how good so, like it really must be like Josh Cribbs has eight kick return touchdowns and three punt return touchdowns. 
That seems like a, a odd disparity, like to have those those two switched, in in that like Hester's that much better at punt returns than Cribs also benefited from like he played I think before they moved into the thirty five right. Cribs also you could argue probably had the most opportunities at kickoff returns <laughs> playing for the Browns for that long. You just get more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like he ha- he leads like the NBA all time in three pointers made, but he also shot the most by far, and it's not even close type deal. He is. It looks like okay. So some guy did have more than him, but it's it's like few and far between. Brian Mitchell had six hundred and seven returns on kicks. Oh, man, Gail Sayers had it was t- is tied for third with six touchdown returns with Dante Hall with a few other guys. Um and Gail Sayers did it in 91 attempts. That's That average, <laughs> if you're just looking at these numbers, is, <coughs> is like incomprehensible. His, his rate is so much higher than everyone else's. That's crazy. Oh, he just, yeah, he... Oh, man. Wait, kick off... Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Because who's... It was Sayers and... Who's the other... I'm th- is that Brian's story? Right? Brian Piccolo or something? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that the uh, Brian song, the movie. Yeah. Um, real, real tear jerker. But yeah, I say I say at least those two guys get in. You think Hall and Hester? For me, I I put them in. I think they'll get in as like back end. So like we're gonna see them as like sixty eight year olds giving these weird speeches. Um, one will undoubtedly look. Like he's like eighty seven, he's like oh, he's only sixty eight. Man, if they, if they put Cribs in late, he, he Cribs, Cribs is gonna be a weird looking old dude because he is already like a weird looking just normal dude. Oh man, yeah, I don't. I think Hester does just because he had so many of those moments of all time combined leader NFL history, and I don't. Is that a record that just doesn't get passed? Even if it does, like I still think now I think there almost has to be an asterisk, like. Having on at least on the kickoffs, having guys like flying towards you past blockers versus like basically like it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. Because what's the new rule? Now you now you I don't know if it's I, I think you just have to be on you had basically have to be lined up like a receiver. I'm guessing. Okay. Not so, like hand in the ground. Well, I don't think they could do hand in the ground. I guess you technically could. I think they just, they realized it literally does nothing. Um, it's just like you just have to stand up. Cause yeah, right. So they they have to be on the thirty five yard line, right? And then the ball is also on the thirty five yard line. They have to wait till it's kicked before they can leave. And then, hmm, I don't. Cause usually there's only like five or six yard head start, and they're just kind of like, yeah, it helps. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be that much different because of the move up to thirty five. Anyways, produces significantly more touchbacks. As I think well. the. I think the also. I will say I think punt returning is getting a little harder because I do think like overall, I think if, if we think back to like when we were like 12 years old, I don't think the level of punting is is the, the same as it used to be. I think these guys are a little better. Like uh, Oakland actually ended up letting their punter go. I think he's punting for Denver now. Marquette Keg? Yeah. Like, that guy's on, like, a different level in terms of, like, skill sets for a punter. Like, there are a few guys now that can, like, put the ball wherever they want. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, it was, like, 
it's kind of like we were talking earlier about uh, like fullbacks. It's like I don't know. Can anyone do this? <laughs> sure, you go yeah. out there. Yeah, no, exactly. Now they have like different spins and different drops, and everyone's like obsessed with. Well, if you do it this way, you can cough them this way and create this kind of backspin. <clears throat> I want to get into like golf with punters, where when Tiger Woods was dominating in like the early two thousands. You just had a bunch of guys that were just getting just bombed in the clubhouse like Thursday and Friday nights and then would go out and just like swing a club for 18 rounds. Now everyone's like going to like these like trailers with gym sets in them and working with like dietitians and renting out like super expensive, you know, whatever, and, like nice cabins and houses instead of staying at like the hotels that are provided. I think it's just kind of the, that thing of two where it's like the skill is getting better. So yeah, it's on the back end. The punt. I, I think if a punt returner can get into the mid-teens... They still might. I would still equate that to just as good as Hall or Hester. What would you? It's ra- a lot of punt return. What would you rather do? <clears throat> punt or punt return? Sorry, right? kick return or punt return? Oh, punt return for sure, because I can fair catch it. Okay, like that always gets because it's like there's a lot of skill that goes into like trying to catch a ball, and also so you're like looking at a ball, and you're also looking at like everyone coming at. Yeah, you. so I think it's pretty easy. See, so like. Punt returns, you know, if they're deep in their own territory, then it's just trajectory and where the ball's going, whether or not I can return this or not. If they're more close to the 50, it's pretty much a fair catch every time. And it just, you just, there's nothing you're going to be able to do unless they just botch it or it just doesn't get as high as it's needed. But again, with the skill thing, all these guys can do it. It's got to be they mess up, and then it just changes the thing. But I feel like 30 years ago, you, the goal just was punt the ball as far as physically possible or as high as physically possible They're one of the just two like i'm getting this away from me <laughs> and that's that's all i know yeah it's like oh man it's uh i mean yeah you had, like mitch Berger. i feel like is not as good as like <laughs> average punter nfl guy now the giants have a really good punter i feel like uh they used to have feagles right yeah and now they have brad wing i think brad wing's really good he's an australian think... dude i think Ooh. Nice. Wasn't there was there a rugby guy that got drafted this year? I don't know if he got drafted or signed. It was that big six eight, three hundred and seventy pound dude? He like never played football before. Yeah, but he plays rugby and just runs dudes over, and so they put him at offensive tackle. I'm like what? <laughs> this guy's clearly a mauler. Why would you put him like DN? <laughs> nah, offensive tackle sounds right. Like, all right. <laughs> um, I have okay. I have two two different directions. Um, I'm gonna. So, are you? How excited are you for Hard Knocks this year? Oh, Cleveland. Yeah. Let's, let's let's list the cast of characters that we're probably going to see. We have Baker Mayfield. Yep. Possibly Josh Gordon. I'm Definitely Josh Gordon. I'm wondering how much access they're going to give yeah, to Josh Gordon. Because there's those... They did that like ESPN article maybe a year ago, and Agent Guy is like super hush-hush on like what they can use. Here's the thing, though. He doesn't have any call on this, because this isn't... He can't... But I mean, out there. But I mean, like out, like off field. Yeah, it's like, are they? Are we gonna like go to his home? Because he can be like, nah, you're not coming to my house. Uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. Because I think he's kind of an interesting guy. Um, I think I think Landry is a really interesting dude. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Miles Garrett. We have we have two number one overall picks in the last two drafts. Yeah, both in the same team. That'll be interesting. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor for the first two episodes is going to be kind mm-hmm. of that guy. And then when we get to episodes three through five, it's going to be who's the, who's going to start week one. Um, even though I, if I had to put 
We're going wow. to get to see also Hugh Jackson. Hugh ja- and, and John Dorsey, who I think is going to be a character on the show just because I think he's just kind of like a... I think he's kind of an idiot. So like, <laughs> I, I think, think he's, he's going to like give you a, a, a quotable line once per episode minimum. Um, who else they got? They got a couple. Uh, Jabril Peppers could maybe show up as he like a year or two guy. Yeah. Uh, that I think the defense in general is going to be a decent storyline between Peppers... Demorius Randall comes over. Jamie Collins. Um, yeah, that, Collins, the, have, the vet. Yeah, that's supposed to be. It was like the greatest linebacker since Willie McGinnis on the on the Patriots, and then they just traded him. Um, the Who's the Iowa linebacker? That was a couple years ago. Kind of a smaller dude that they are really high on, outside linebacker guy. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of talk of can this defense be – Something that's been laughing stock has won one game in the last two years. To if if they all develop, it could be like a Jacksonville kind of jump. Not Jacksonville last year, but like all of a sudden, like oh man, they're uh, Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson type guys away from top three. I forgot they got Nick Chubb. Yep. Do you think uh, Carlos Hyde? Do you think uh, 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 tackle former tackle Joe Thomas is bummed that they're doing it this year because he he has like his own like variety show that he does just for like the Cleveland think area. Back. I think he should make. I think they should. I think almost owe him an appearance. Like that seems. I think for sure he's gonna have a an appearance where he's like there for a three day like special consultant coach guy for the offensive lineman, and yeah. It he has to. Wouldn't the I w- I've always thought watching those like anytime I see hard knocks, like being an NFL player seems like it's like a, a fine job. You, it's like an, it'd be annoying to like constantly have to like go in and you're like I, for me it's like the parts of of it that would be you're like showering like three times a day because it's you know like yeah you wake up then you have like a.m. practice and you go do you know whatever and then you have like another p.m. practice you, you're probably working out at night too it's a, a that would be a nightmare you're always <laughs> changing all the time but um the part that seems like the worst to me would be the, the like the auditorium meetings oh all the team meetings stuff yeah. yeah i wouldn't mind like the small room like eight guys like the quarterback's room or like the d-line room yeah d-line room routinely seems like the funnest place to be but the, those auditorium <laughs> things where they're just sitting there for like an hour listening to the coach talk about like whatever seems like the worst. Especially because like, yeah, the ones they show us on Hard Knocks are like the best ones. And a lot of those mm-hmm. are even pretty dull. Like you'll get one in like episode one, like usually in the first half of the episode, everyone's there. The welcome to camp, the your professional football players. <laughs> You should act like you represent the Cleveland Browns. I feel like this is a John Dorsey quote. Wait a represent the Cleveland Browns, the most historic franchise in the NFL. Or he'll probably say National Football League because he's the Dorsey. What, yeah. <laughs> what was the infa- and then the, that was that was also what gave us the infamous like uh, <clears throat> we're not going fucking seven and nine again. <laughs> I'm gonna cut my wrists if we go seven and nine. I will bleed out in front of all y'all in this meeting room. At the end of December, if we go fucking seven and nine. <laughs> and he has that kind of like northeastern accent too. I don't think it's quite New York or quite Boston, but it's like I'm um, like a weird like mix. <laughs> I'm waiting for one too. It's like the he's like you rep- remember that the emblem on the helmet is much more important than the name on the back. And then everyone's just like emblem on the helmet. 
We just have an orange helmet. <laughs> we have the dumbest <laughs> logo in sports. <laughs> there's always, and then there's always that one moment in those meetings where it's like some random guy with like a weird name, like um, Emmanuel uh, Ogba. Yeah, it's like it, he'll, he'll be like, and and let's let's take a look at this foot, Ogba. Yeah, and like he just they say their name and like everyone starts to laugh. It's like, look at this tape I got from Ogba yesterday. It's like he's like falling on his face. <laughs> And they like replay it like four times and then they laugh and then it's like clearly they cut, but it's like then it's clearly back to like super boring. Like <laughs> Yeah. And then a lot of those meetings too are like the coach just has a like a clipboard of like, all right, the league says I have to say like don't physically assault anybody. Yeah. Don't and it's like mandatory like <laughs> HR stuff. They just bring in a different guy to say all that stuff to him and this is like the everyone like knows you can have you can take a nap during this part of the meeting. <laughs> It's like they, these guys have to be like school, quote unquote, schooled on like social media every like yeah. four days. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go over the NFL Twitter policy um, weekly meeting. For those that weren't here for the Monday meeting, um, you're also here here for the Wednesday edition. Uh, <laughs> if uh, if you get called out of the room or just feel like you need a break, we also have one on Friday before the team bus leaves for the airport that you can catch. That one will be a little more condensed. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Let's get into it. Oh, yeah, you definitely have those meetings all the time. Um, I feel like it's always, like, a Jim Harbaugh type of delivery, too. Like, he's serious, but, like, about something that's not serious, and it's kind of tough to take him serious. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> he always has, like, these weird, like... Pay attention. Have you been able to watch that Amazon Prime All or Nothing on Michigan yet? No. Oh, there's a bunch of great, like, Harbaugh-type speeches like that where he's super passionate. <clears throat> like, I got your back. <clears throat> um, you know, this is the best. You play for the the winningest program in all of college football. Like all the rah rah speeches and the like, really low speeches are all like the same tone and same like, work verbiage. And he has to like enunciate every word of it. It's oh, it, it, it's good. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, him taking the entire team to Paris for the summer? So they do it where they went to Rome on the show. And it's kind of oh, fun. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> he does this every year. And so, yeah, he it's... Uh, I like, saw a couple clips of the Paris one. For some reason, that dude from ESPN... Uh, what's his name? Rusty... Rusty Smith? Rusty no. Smith? No. He didn't go? What uh, is Smith his last name? Rusty... I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. But yeah, he's there. And I got, he's just like... He's got to have the greatest job for ESPN. I don't know how he didn't get let go in any of the three. Marty Smith. Marty Smith. <laughs> How he didn't, yeah, he didn't get, he was not one of the layoffs because his job just seems to be to like go to this obscure sports story and just go have fun with guys. He just picks, so like, I feel like the workload. So, who's the guy that does all the narrating? He does like all the, oh. like, pe- Pellegr- it's like Pellegrino or not Palantonio. Uh, Palantonio. <laughs> but uh, there's the one guy that has like a huge workload and it puts these packages together like constantly. And then you're right, Marty Smith just, and the thing. He just gets to cover stuff he likes. So yeah. it's like he goes to the Kentucky Derby. He does like NASCAR and then like some college football like once a week yeah. segments. He's uh, he's always just like just dicking around. It's like, <laughs> all right, we're here with the quarterback of FAU. We're going to see if we can chuck this basketball <laughs> from the 200 section down to that hoop at the 50-yard line. Let's do it. Like, they're not going to do this. <laughs> that's, that's like his segment every like every other week on college game day, I feel like. But uh. What was his, the March Madness, they did like a, we're going to top our 24-hour worthless programming thing that we do, and we're going to go 25 hours this year, and the best part was the hip, was the like hypnotist dude or whatever, the, the magician, by far the best part. 
just like freaking out Jalen Rose. Um, but Marty, like his assignment was to drive from like I want to say it was like date or like, he needed to get to Dayton, Ohio by like the end of the show, and he started in like at like in like North Carolina and Duke or something, and like interviewing people and like waking up coaches and stuff like that. And then the like the the van breaks down, so they have to call in a new van, and it's like that's your job. <laughs> I'm I'm Marty Smith here. I'm at the, at the Indianapolis 500, and of course we're gonna do our annual. Which of these frat guys can drink a, a whole gallon of milk first? And it's like, wait, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what it looks like here, but uh, I'm just gonna drink a cup of it. Hmm, <laughs> that's some good. <laughs> He's the best too because the none of the anchors on SportsCenter take him seriously when they like yeah. throw to him, <laughs> and then it's like, but they're all like you can tell super jealous that like he's just out there just like in like a t shirt and like jeans, and they're all in these like suits back in the, like air conditioned studios. Like, yeah, we're down here at the Lollapalooza, some <laughs> concert, I guess. Um, we're gonna try to find some college football players and hope they're not on drugs right now. Like, <laughs> what? That's <laughs> your assignment? Like, uh, he yeah, he might be the luckiest man at ESPN. So it's not a bad gig. Yeah, he said. Like, I heard, I heard that uh, Jose Altuve might be at Lollapalooza, so ESPN bought me a ticket and airfare, and I'm, I'm trying to find him. I haven't yeah. seen him, but some good music. You got the camera crew on here. Uh, Wally, you seen it? No, no. Wally, Wally, the camera guy hasn't seen him either, so we're gonna keep looking. And that's like the, the check-in at 11 a.m. Sports Center. It's like, oh, okay, but I got two gallons of milk here. It says I can find someone to finish one of these bad boys. See if I can find anyone from Cal Berkeley. He has this weird like, like Kenny Rogers slash like George W. Bush accent combined. It's like, ah, oh. yeah, he. I don't get it. But what state do you think Marty Smith is from? I'm gonna say. I don't think you're gonna get it. Marty Smith doesn't really match. Like it's like kind of. Well, I think he went to school in like Indiana or Ohio. He went to school in the state he's from. It was a team. It's not. It is not a big school. Correct. I want to say it was a team that was in the first four of the NCAA tournament this year. Like they were also in Dayton. They are. It's, he went to Radford. Yes, University. That was a team that like went like fourteen and nineteen this year and snuck in because they won their conference tournament from Virginia. Mm-hmm. Interesting, because he does have like a Mississippi accent. Yeah. Well, I think I, from what I've heard, never been to Virginia. Uh, heard great <laughs> things. Um, the southern part or like the eastern part of Virginia is pretty southern. It's the northern, but not West Virginia close. Like the proper. Virginia parts are like more Midwestern, but it's that definite like we because Virginia was were they did they were they part of the South in the Civil War? Yes, right. Yes. They were they were the most northern state, right? And that's why West Virginia is a thing. Yes. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Skogan's listening to this like no no you <laughs> no, idiots no no God you <laughs> sorry Skogan we we. It's not like we have like a laptop with internet either, but yeah, you know, whatever. It's it's busy. I'm on, yeah. the, I'm on the Marty Smith uh, page, which is small. I thought he would for sure be the type of guy that like like does his own page. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, Marty, if you're listening, love to have you on. Um, talk about your your career and how you got there and what your favorite uh, Lollapalooza story is. I don't know why this is great to me, but I just find this funny. It's uh, 
2017, Smith hosted SportsCenter Presents Marty Smith's America, where he interviewed athletes <laughs> such as Tim Tebow, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Cam Newton. Just again, just guys that he probably thinks are cool, and it's like. <laughs> I, I, so I, I watch those segments because I actually do like Marty Smith. I think it's a good like. It's, <laughs> I do. Too. I, he's like he's fun to watch. Yeah, he's, I get why he's on the show. Like I watch that show and like he goes and interviews Cristiano Ronaldo in China. So it's like not even part of America. So you have a Portuguese guy who plays in Spain who is in China and it's part of Marty Smith's America. So like I was like, this is weird. But well, another part of it is an interview with Tim Tebow in 2017. <laughs> well, it was it was trying to join the Mets at the time, so, and I still working for ESPN. It was a, that was a weird thing. I <laughs> yeah, it was. I think he inter- ended up interviewing Sam Darnold that year too. Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, I think that was like the one that made the most sense. But then he surrounded it with like Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, and uh, let's get Ronaldo. <laughs> and that is Marty Smith's America. <laughs> <laughs> um let's uh okay that that is the end of potpourri for this week it is done thanks for, yeah. for, for this week yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll bring it back uh one of our favorite segs i'm, I'm calling them segs now segs yep and so now we're in the uh the b block and we're gonna be <laughs> talking about uh the nba playoffs actually I'm reversing my decision. I'm going to extend potpourri. Ooh, extension. Uh, I want to talk about Doncic. This could be a nice transition. Yeah. We have, uh, to... we have some uh, possible um, rumoring. He is rumored to be the number one pick, uh, possibly to the Suns, who I think we discussed last week about the fact that they hired his like national team coach that they won Euros with. Yeah. And there's also speculation that he could slip to, like, six. So, what's what's the order? It goes Kings are two, Hawks are three, Grizzlies four. Um, it really doesn't say much about this in the Marty Smith wiki page. Nah, that's, that's too bad. He, he's got to update this. <laughs> uh, I don't know who five is. Dallas? Dallas is, I believe they are in the top five. And then six is... Again, really difficult to find just a list of the... <laughs> I'm just trying to think of bad teams. Uh, the Magic are six, I think. That sounds right. I will have I will have the uh, the page list. up. <laughs> it's like Coming a, soon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm starting my own website. That's just <laughs> the list of draft order. Um, Sensible information. Yeah. Suns, Kings, Hawks, Grizzly, Mavericks, Magic, Bulls. I was gonna say Bulls next. I was I was I was pretty good. You were locked in, man. Anyways. Um, the news is if he doesn't go one to Phoenix, which I, which we'll get, uh, we'll, we'll get down to what other people said later here in a second. But doesn't go one to Phoenix. He has no interest in Sacramento, so not coming. Uh, no interest in Atlanta, not coming. Uh, Memphis at four, not coming. So then we get to five with Dallas. They just took Dennis Smith Jr. He's kind of like, well. This this doesn't work either. I watched Minnesota fuck up Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. We we understand how this like a non shooting athletic undersized guard works. Not coming. Um, although I think Cuban could talk him into it. I, I but are you are you his agent? Yeah, not coming. Not coming. We're not doing not coming. Uh, so then we get then it leads us to six with Orlando, and I think that's the first spot <clears throat> where it's like okay, they've had some success. Somehow they've made two NBA finals. <clears throat> um, I I would be willing to go there, 
But you start looking at that, I think the dollar amount from like two to six, I think he loses something like like five to eight million dollars over the rookie contract. Like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really make sense. I think he's just trying to scare some teams off. But um, yeah, I think it's. A, I, I, I think, think this a, guy's going to be like very well. I think in terms of like endorsements, he's going to do very well with the. NBA guys in general do really well with endorsements when you're like a two continent athlete. Suddenly, like that makes up a big part of the gap. Mm-hmm. But just like Orlando's team is bad. <laughs> I think I think their most promising part is Jonathan Isaacs. Yeah, he's who he, we have no idea what he's gonna do. He could be Giannis. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Aaron, so they're probably gonna lose Aaron Gordon. I think they're gonna resign him. Okay, is he restricted? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they have Bismack Biombo signed for like $14 million oh, a yeah. year. That's brutal. They have a third center named Kem Birch. First name <laughs> K-H-E-M. K-H-E-M, yeah. Is he out of like UNLV or something? I'll take a look. I, I like Vucevic. He's fine. He's fine. But Jonathan you, Simmons is fine. I think with, with Vucevic, and S- Simmons needs to be like, a, he needs to be like a rotation guy, and Vucevic needs to be... Uh, like your fourth best player, but even like they they do have like if this was a team's bench, it would be a super good bench. Oh, you're, yeah, you're like this is the equivalent to like remember that Suns bench, like in like the no. Steve Nash era. This, this this thing was like the cool is like Leandro Barbosa, uh, um, other I pro- love, other. <laughs> I love Leandro Barbosa. Yeah. <laughs> you had Barbosa. You had Goran Dragic. You had uh, uh, Martin Gortat. Um, I want to say, I want to say like Jason Richardson and Grant Hill, or something like that. Where after like Marion, Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, uh, and like the other two starters on that Suns team, like you had this like five, these five that would come off the bench and like play better than the starters. I, I think that's like what the Magic have going right now. The only problem is that is your starters, and you're like, ah, I don't, I don't love this. I'm looking at the Suns, and another topic we haven't touched on: Carl Anthony Towns. Ooh, we've 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 touched off Mike a little bit about this. What are you, what are your thoughts about the the Wolves moving Towns? I, I'm kind of in. I think the summer of '18 for me is the summer of just blow it up. Like I, any any time, I'm proposed with the idea that, hey, would you blow this team? Like it's a yes. I'm in. Because I've watched it now enough over the last, like, four years where I've thought, like, I think people do this with, like, stocks when they're, like, not really sure how they, like, they'll, like, write numbers down. You know, it's like, oh, if I would have invested $1,000 into this or whatever. Yeah. Like, I guess if you're, like, a Wall Street guy, 100000 or whatever it is. And then watch it and say, like, oh, was I right? Was I wrong? And, like, chart it. So I, would, I think I've been doing the equivalent of that with should you blow it up situations for the last, like, four or five years. And I want to say I'm, like, shooting, like, 90% right now. Which is not okay, okay, but that stat's misleading because like there's only like one whenever, champion. Whenever you go into a basketball GM mode, it's it's like uh, blow it up, not coming. <laughs> just just every, everything is very succinct. Just just get really like good at like coining trades. Like yeah, like uh, you know we're getting like we're really getting like seventy cents on the dollar back in return. But sometimes you have to take a lesser deal to to make something progress. And uh, no, I think here's what I need. I need. You talked a little bit this with uh, with our buddy Steve, who's on the Ocean's Eleven pod. I you, need y'all know Steve from Ocean's yeah, Eleven. Yeah, pod, yeah, right? yeah. Some call you, some call him Leslie. Um, 
or less. Um, <laughs> the I need number one overall. I need 16 overall. I need 31 overall. And I need either Josh Jackson or TJ Warren and another player that can be a starter. Because I don't think... I think TJ Warren is like that nice bench piece. Um, who's he comparable to? Uh, like a Jonathan Simmons. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, that's just kind of off the top of the head, but... What about uh, Tucker from the, the Rockets? Yeah, so it kind of plays that... Or am I just... Are both those guys just <clears throat> balls and that's why I'm... <laughs> it's more just a, a role type deal. Like, yeah, so like it's a... Probably like seventh guy off the bench. Going to play on nights that he gets hot, like 28 minutes. On uh, nights that he's colder, probably closer to like 15 so it gives you that. Can shoot threes pretty well, but but it's just a nice piece. Um, for those of you who aren't here, Woody has an entire minutes chart broken out for all these players and these potential trades. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I, I I would do it. I I really would. I think uh, just in the history of Minnesota sports in general, um, was Kirby Puckett a first round pick? Can we look that up real quick? I can. Okay, well he's doing that. <clears throat> Kirby Puckett, I think, is the only exception to this rule if he is a first-round pick. When we when he was drafted, he had both eyes, right? He had both eyes up until 96. Okay. So, yeah. Because it would be tough to be drafted in the first round. I don't think he was a first-round pick if he only has one eye. No, I, I definitely don't I, think so. Has anybody? Um, Not even that one basketball player out of Baylor with one eye got drafted in the first round. He was the third pick. Third overall pick. Yes. Okay. So, Kirby Puckett is the only player in Minnesota sports history... That was taken in the first round. That was a franchise changer that led to a championship. That's it. No other guy that we have taken has ever developed into re- so criteria for that reaching their full like reaching let's call ninety five percent of their full potential. Which what I about think KG. He, no championships. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair, dog. Yeah. Ninety five percent of their full potential, which people can exceed potential. Wait, it, it, it has to be a championship with with us. Correct. Okay. Yes. Um, we need to win a championship or even like, I would even give you make a champ, make, I think you need to make two. I don't think making one counts, but make two, but even making one might work. Um, or consistently be in like the conference finals or like, like in the semifinal or whatever of your sport. Uh, and then also go on to be like hall of fame level. Nobody has ever done that. KG is close, but he made the conference finals once, and I think he lost in the first round of the playoffs like eight times. Um, four of those, that team was bad, but he should have advanced in at least two or three. I mean, um, the, the, the Lynx are kind of hitting out of the park with their draft picks. Okay. Very good drafting organization. We have, yeah, we have super bad. Well, I think it's just like one. My, well, two. Augustus in 06, but we were bad for like four or five years, and she almost left. Oh, yeah. Did we traded to get... No wait. How we traded to get Lindsey Whalen. Okay. And we we drafted Maya Moore. So Samoli Gustafs and Maya Moore will be the other two. But um at the risk of being sexist, we're gonna opt out of WNBA talk and more just into the mainstream four. We'll get back into that later. Yeah. The... Yeah. The links in WNBA is, is a is a whole different thing. Um but nobody else has. Like I don't you can name the best like Mount Rushmore times four of Minnesota sports, you know, drafted homegrown players. We've never done it. Um, Blow it up. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at this team. One, there's a, a major false narrative about the Timberwolves kind of more coming into la- this past year, uh, and that being 
that they're a, a good young team. They're not a young team. They're quite old. Um, and if I'm looking at the starting five of Cat, Taj, Jimmy, Wiggins, and Teague, mm-hmm. the only two guys amongst the, the only two guys with the potential to like become better are Cat and Wiggins. Correct. And I think it's. I think we're seeing pretty much what those two guys are at this point. Also correct. I think by year three, you know who you are. I don't think either of those guys is taking it. Like I would say, Giannis has a chance to make a big leap yet. He's a very good player, but I think Giannis could get better. I think younger players could get better. I think these guys are who they are, and this team like eked into the playoffs, and we've got the coach whipping computers through. Windows and shit. Uh, I think it's time to... I think the Celtics are a perfect example of a team that blew it up before it was too late. Correct. Yeah. You don't don't want to get to a point where you can't... Where, you, where you're forced to make a decision. Always choose to make the decision. I think that's something you can always live with. I think of forced decisions on like KG trading him to Boston. I think of Johan Santana. Although, sneakily... Twins knew something about his shoulder that other teams didn't. Um, David Ortiz, I, that's another one that's like, you just fucked it up. Like, I, you just were just wrong, period. Um, we're, again, like, uh, the wild, I think Marion Gabrick and Brent Burns go on to have better careers once they leave. Uh, we all, and then we bring in the wrong guys and hold on to the wrong guys. Um, <clears throat> I think it's a, the, I don't think you're going to get a better value for Towns. Or you have to package him with somebody else. And then it's like your team is getting significantly worse. Here's my idea. is Towns should be your go-to number one option next year. And I don't think anybody in that building at Target Center or outside of Minnesota think it's not going to be Jimmy Butler as a number one option next year. So now you're, you're stunting the growth of your should-be Hall of Fame player in Carl Towns. For Jimmy Butler, who's plays physical, often injured, was injured this year, missed a huge critical stretch, and... We dropped from the fourth seed to the eighth seed because of it. Um, you have Thibodeau, who's a guy who's known to run players into the ground. Both in charge of coaching and in charge of player decisions. Don't love that. Um, I just think, does DeAndre Ayton over Carl Towns make your team worse than the eighth seed? I don't think so. I think you're at least the eighth seed next year. Yeah. With more money saved because you have to pay Towns next after next year, like twenty seven million dollars a year, or yeah, more. Because so, if so, if the if they flip for the number one pick, there's no way they can go back to the foreign born point guard well again, can they? Oh God, I would. I would. I okay. If we like that would be that dream, would be a bold dream, move. dream scenario. We get Luka Doncic. I I I think he's the best player in this draft. I think he's the safest. I think he's the lowest floor or the highest floor. Doesn't have the highest ceiling, but I don't think his ceiling is that much different than Aiton in terms of like, do you want Tim Duncan or Shaq? Most people would probably, like, I want to say 60-40 say Shaq, but Duncan has more rings and was longevity-wise better for one team. It's kind of one of those type deals where it's like, Shaq, peak Shaq, probably better than peak Duncan. More dominant, like, more scary. But Duncan career arc is probably better than Shaq. And I think that's kind of what you're getting with Bag, or not Bag, oh, Bagley probably too. But leave that out. With Aiton and Doncic, I would love Doncic on the Timberwolves next year. Is there is there a chance that they move Towns not for the number one pick? Oh yeah, maybe. First of all, it's Minnesota, so I could easily see us like end up like 
also trading him to Chicago to get like Zach Levine and seven back. Like, <laughs> uh, give us just give us everybody we gave you last year plus the seven pick again, and we'll give you Towns in the the twentieth. Towns, I, I, I can see that. I, I it, I'm just saying in terms of like just being idiotic. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I say blow it up. I'm not super in love with Towns at this point. I thought he'd be more dominant and have more of a a Giannis feel than he does right now. He seems. He seems. It's like crazy because he's massive and he does have like pretty good post moves. He likes to play in the ball. He seems like a little soft to me. Super soft. For like a big guy who gets a lot of boards, he's like, he reminds me of like Kevin Love, like where it's, he's more comfortable. He is, to me, he feels more comfortable like from 10 to 15 feet than he does under the basket. And it's like, if I have a big guy, I at least want him to like own the paint. Yep. And I'm not like I'm not afraid of Cat if I'm playing against him. Yeah, I think it was very telling in that 82nd game, like effectively the the playing game with the Nuggets when uh, Nursic, Nursic, or is it Jusef Ju- Nokic? <laughs> uh, they had two guys with like just flipped letters, and it was super confusing. Nurkic, I think though, uh, just lit him up for like 38 points in a game that matters. Here's the number one overall pick versus the number like 17 overall pick. And effectively do the same thing. And it's one of those things for me where it's like, Towns also doesn't have like a lot of lower body, uh, like girth to him. Um, his legs are pretty chicken-ish. Like they're pretty skinny. He runs weird. I don't love that. He's not like a super fluid athlete. He is way more comfortable to your, yeah, to your point of uh, a lot of like pick and roll, high screen and roll, pick and pop situations where that's how he gets all his threes. Does shoot him 40%. That's excellent. But we also need you to be able to kind of like be a low post guy when we need it. And I don't ever trust him in a go-to situation to not end up like the Joel Embiid on Aaron Baines thing where all of a sudden it's just like doesn't even get to the rim. It'll be – I, I hope they move it just because that will be more exciting than not moving this it. This is true. Uh, <laughs> I'm also, yeah, in that camp. <laughs> um, let's move on. Let's move on yeah. to the, the teams that matter. Uh, we have uh, <laughs> two series tied at 2-2. Um, last week you sat here, Cavs were down 0-1, and you said, don't care, still think. Give me Rockets and Cleveland in the finals, I believe what I said. Yep, and now we have it 2-2. Has your your position changed on what you think the finals is going to look like? And any takeaways from, uh, from the first four games of the semifinals? Um, position has not changed. If anything, it's solidified more. I went this morning to see what I could get. I think we had roughly said twelve to one. It was twelve to one to get for both teams at la- that point last time. Yep. Or last week. It is now Cleveland is a at minus two hundred to make the finals, and the Rockets are like plus one seventy. So it's like three to one to get those two in the finals at this point. Um, no, I think it's a. <laughs> Tonight's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a lot like game one of uh, Toronto-Cleveland this year, where I think the only way Cleveland wins is if they steal it because, and this is where youth shows up for Boston, of you are now played, did they go seven? No, five. That would have sounded way cooler in a Boston accent. This is where youth shows up this for Boston. This is where youth shows up for Boston <laughs> in the fourth quarter of game five. They, that can't stop us. 
This is in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a. Uh, <clears throat> they played now, let's see, 12, 16 playoff games. Um, guys like Jason Tatum have now played triple the amount of games they played last year in college. Uh, this is where youth shows up in the last two and a half minutes of the fourth quarter, where it's going to be maybe like 98 to 94 Boston up. They just need to ride this out and just go possession for possession basketball. We can exchange twos for threes because they're going to have to follow and we're going to get some free throw help. Um, can you execute? And they have been able to so far. I'll give them that credit. Like They have been able to, but they haven't had to do it against LeBron. And we'll see how they bounce back. I think Boston's going to come out and the first quarter is going to look something like 36 to 21. And they're going to be up by a lot. And they're going to be hot out of the like, gates. LeBron, though, is going to take like five shots and be like four or five points. Nothing really going on. And then all of a sudden, they're going to be like plus six-ish each quarter. Like they're going to make up the 12 points in the second and third quarters. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like I said, like 98, 94, two and a half minutes left, come back from the TV timeout. And Jalen Brown is in foul trouble because apparently Brad Stevens doesn't care about that. I, I wonder, so there's <coughs> there's this narrative that they keep promoting on the broadcast on like ESPN that that Boston is very bad away from home. I think they just might be really good at home. Yeah. I think they kind of play to their ability on the road. And then it's like you get some of these young guys jacked up and in, in front of their home crowd. They're like... They have one win on the road, but they're undefeated at home. So I don't – it's going to be tough for the Cavs to – I think it's going to be harder for the Cavs to go into the Garden and steal one than it is for the the, the opposite of that. <laughs> the For the I, – I, I don't think – I don't see either of these teams at this point losing a home game. And I, I you think – Do you think Boston seven? I do. Ooh. Yes. Thanks for, thanks for translating that for Yeah, me. okay. Boston and seven. Yes. That's a very unpopular pick right now in terms of... That's, oh, man. Um, I think it's. I think it goes 3-2 Boston. I think it doesn't get past six games. One way... So you think... I think, I think, think game ten, five wins it. You think tonight is yeah. the deciding game? Yeah. Is that how you also feel about game five in Houston? No. I think... Uh, because... I did, I did kind of a little bit predict game two of the Houston Golden State Series. The Houston All, win. They, they got hot as a pistol, actually hit their threes, and boom, they're right back in it. And then they got embarrassed in game three. Golden State, yeah. But then they came back, and Golden State kind of like choked. It's a very surprising game in that uh, game four. I, I keep forgetting that, like, and they had said this on the broadcast last, or either the broadcast or like the highlights or whatever, of that Duramori. Made the, created this roster to beat Golden State. That was the whole point. Was you don't have someone that can shut down James Harden for seven games. Could you get one or two? Yeah, someone could. But seven games of James Harden you don't have. What we don't have is a second and third option after that. Or instead of third option, like three or four players can fill the role of third option to beat you. And that was always our issue last year. Now, we do have that. Um... And we think that you will go cold two of these games, and I, uh, it's it. I don't. I the problem is I lo- and I I love that thought process too because the the goal of these major sports 
should be to win a championship. And if something is so clearly standing in front of you, like address that first. Mm-hmm. Like if if you're playing in the same division as Golden State, it's like figure out how to beat them yeah. and then worry about out, yeah taking care of the Mavericks <laughs> in Dallas on like a <laughs> random Tuesday. It's like you Here, can figure that out later. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Houston, the problem is Golden State, we've seen over the last four years, can get hotter than hell in an instant. Curry did it second half of game three. Durant won't shoot 37% from the field again. He did shoot 24 times, only make nine. Um, I think they're starting to figure out how to cover or to guard Durant a little bit too. Uh, the Clay Thompson injury will slow him down. That'll be interesting. And the Iguodala injury will be an interesting update as well and see what he can come back and how effective he can be. Um, Draymond Green has been silent. I mean, I think he's a Detroit Piston next year. That's just that's a whole different Ooh, topic. That's an exciting team all of a sudden, right? Are they, I think it's a. Andre, are they retaining Blake? Yeah, I think it's going to be Ooh, a DeAndre like Drummond swap for De, uh, Draymond Green. I like it. You're saying, but um, I think <clears throat> when you look at it, Draymond Green is due for one of those games where he hits like five threes and is just super fucking annoying. I think that could happen, but I don't. But you need two wins. So I don't think that wins you the series unless it goes to Game 7. Then Draymond has that game in Game 7. Um, but I think Houston finds a way to win tomorrow. We're recording on a Wednesday. so And then Game 6 would be interesting. I think Game 6 winner wins it for that. Okay, so... Does that make sense? You're on so the even, right. if, even if Houston loses Game 5, it who, Game 5 is irrelevant in that series. Game 6 winner... Is the winner of the series game five winner of Cleveland Boston is the winner of that. It's almost like you. It's like uh, it's really hard to come back from like being down three one, but if you are down three one and you come back to tie it three three, then it's like all of a sudden all of that momentum is shifted. Well, yeah, the first six games are like somehow irrelevant. It just works that way. And then you're like, we can't beat these guys. We we did, but yeah. I don't know how we're going to do it again. Exactly. It's kind of like that, oh, shit, we lost two games when they had to win. And we just had to whatever. Um, Houston, like your point that you brought up of figure out how to beat the team in your division first. I think this narrative has played out twice before. And I th- actually three times. I think the... Bad Boy Pistons, when they figured out how to beat the Celtics, they went on and won. But then the next year when they lost, did they lose to the Lakers one more year? They won two in a row. But then they've, I take that back, that doesn't work. The Bulls beat them in 91. That's kind of what I was referring to. Of They they figured out how to beat the Celtics, but then they weren't built to beat Jordan and the Bulls. Um, and Pippen more so. The 94 Pacers figured out how to beat the Knicks finally. But couldn't figure out how to beat the Rockets? Is that who they played? Did they play in the finals? Yeah. Was it Pacers-Rockets? It would have had to have been. Or was that the Eastern Conference <clears throat> semifinals, and then they went on to play fill-in-the-blank East team in the Eastern Conference finals and lost to them? Who was who was winning when Jordan was gone? The Rockets won both of them, but the Magic was the second year. Oh, but yeah, the, the first year the in 94... That was Shaq's... Like- Shaq and Shaq's... Second year? Third year, Penny's second year. It's crazy that Shaq's that old. Right? Shaq, 93 draft? 92 draft? Man. <laughs> um, I don't know who, who the... Yeah, I don't know who the 94 Rockets beat in the finals. That would have been an Eastern Conference team. Anyways, um, 
94 Rocket sounds like a really cool like firework pack at the fireworks store. It's also definitely a playset for like for NFL calls. Yeah. Of, like, all right, here we go. Uh, trips right, green, left slot, 94 Rocket. Like there, yeah, 94 Rocket. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Speaking I'd, speaking of NFL, I think one more I think one more team kind of fits this bill. Not necessarily like a success at doing it, but I I think the the Rex Ryan Jets. They were like, we're going to make it our mission to beat the Patriots. Yeah. They did it one year. Is that the first year with Sanchez? Uh, yes. And mm. then the second year. They made they back-to-back AFC title games. Yes. What, they lost in 09 to the Colts? Cause, right? That 09 was, or 2010 to the Colts. The year that... The, Peyton went on to lose to the Saints. Yep. And then... Who just made the Super Bowl the year before? And Steelers. And then they lost. They lost both years. Yeah, because yeah. that, that's why Sanchez's like playoff re- like resume is insane. He's like I think he was. He's uh, like eight and two or something crazy. Yeah, yeah he's like yeah, he's like yeah, like five and two or something in the playoffs. Two AFC title game appearances. It's like so a Blake Bortles stat. I think two of those runs too. They played in one in the wild. They played in the wild. Right? I want to say both years. Yeah, because they were definitely not the top two seeds. Uh, and then they played on the road. And I think the first year they were like nine and seven, right? That was the year Rex is like, well, next year on week seventeen we're gonna go out there. And, you know, we're gonna give a lot of people a chance to play and really figure out what this roster looks like next year, next day. Yeah, I wasn't aware that mathematically we're still involved in the playoffs, so we will be trying to win on Sunday. <laughs> um, we will not be playing the third string fullback. Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, that mentality of, okay, I don't know what all I need to do to make and maintain a great team, but I know in order to go to the finals. And possibly win. I have to beat this one team. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get some really good pass rushers. I'm gonna get a, a guy I think can play quarterback for us. I'm gonna get Ladanian Tomlinson. That was that was I think that was my favorite. Uh, that was my pen drops. Uh, my my favorite hard knocks. Wrapping back to the beginning or bringing it back to the beginning. Rex Ryan accounts for eighty percent of that. Like he was, I think, the best hard knocks character ever. He's number one. I, I don't, and I don't think two is close to Rex Ryan. Yeah, he's pretty good. I, I, I think I'm two for me is actually um, Brian Cox, who just like oh smoked a huge cigar. The Dolph, no, at Falcons, right? Yeah, just always yeah. smoking a huge cigar everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he was pretty solid too. He didn't have as many like, uh, like speaking speaking parts. And, yeah, and, but he yeah he definitely like oh, he was just, he played linebacker right. Yeah. I always had like the big neck roll pad thing. It was like just yeah, he was he was pretty dope. But uh yeah. Finishing the thought though, the Heat were the other team. Sorry, LeBron beating the Celtic or yeah. Figuring out how to beat the Celtics, then losing to the Mavs. Of like, oh shit. <laughs> it's a completely different team. <laughs> how do we guard Dirk and Sean Marion? This is dumb. JJ Barrera is killing us. They didn't Rajon Rondo couldn't shoot. Like, we don't have to guard a point guard that can shoot threes. And then the Spurs again, where it's like they figured out how to beat the Pacers. Like that was the whole like was the whole point. It was like, all right, we need to be the best in the East and just get there and we'll we'll be playing the Thunder again. We know how to beat the Thunder. And then all of a sudden it's like, why did the Spurs make it back? And then Ray Allen hits that shot. And then the next year they just get destroyed. So it's like I think it's uh I think it's risky what the Rockets are doing. I don't think the Rockets win the title. Risky Rockets don't win title. Risky ninety four Rockets on two. <laughs> And uh, I think I think with that we're gonna wrap up this week. Got got to a lot. We did a lot of the potpourri bag was fuller than I thought. Marty Smith just you now 
Marty's Mar- Marty, if you're listening, hopefully you get to this part of the pod. Uh, we're both are big fans. We're not... We didn't mean to bash you. No, we're, yeah, it was, it was more, Come, like a, more like a roast. Comes from a place yeah. of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely an open invitation. But uh, Woody, unless you got anything else, I think that's going to be it for this week. Yeah, until next week. Until next week. This has been the Homer and the Hater podcast. Goodbye.